some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Company, uh, check it out at www.squatchcoffee.com. And if you're uh, listening for the first time or you haven't joined us already, join us on Facebook. Uh, check out the Monster X Facebook group. Uh, we are growing at le- by leaps and bounds, so awesome. Uh, today's show, we are doing a 2015 uh, review, year in review for the topic of our. Uh, favorite hairy friend Sasquatch, uh, and uh, we will be without my usual host uh, and sidekick uh, partner, uh, Shane Corson. He is uh, not able to make it today, so thanks uh, to Shane, and uh, we'll have you back next week, buddy. Uh, the, I know that he was out in the snow with uh, our good friend Larry uh, last night, so hopefully he didn't get uh, catch something, but um, best to you, my friend. I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Um, I know that I did, so uh, I have not been out uh, squatching in a bit, but I'm looking forward to getting out there here shortly after the first of the year. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on, we have three uh, guests that are joining us. We're going to do a roundtable and talk about the things that have uh, gone on in this last year. Um, With us today are Julie Wrench. Excuse me, Trent Nielsen. Trent was on uh, Naked and Afraid this year, and um, Kip Morrill. Everybody, almost everybody in the Bigfoot world knows Kip. Um, for those of you listening that don't know Kip, check him out on Facebook. He's he's a great guy and uh, very active in the Bigfoot field. So, without further ado, I'm going to bring on our our co-guests, our roundtable participants. Brent, Julie, and Kip.
Chip, are you there? Yeah, how are you? I'm, I'm doing friend, well. I'm here. Chip, are you there, Mr. Morrill? Hey, Gunner. Kip's here. Kip's <laughs> on. All right. So how are you guys doing? Let's go around. We're going to do a little bit of roundtable. We'll go through some of the events of the year and, and talk about them, discuss them. Um, but first off, for those that don't know uh, you guys, let's uh, start with a little bit of introduction. Um, Kip, if you'd go first. Sure. So, um, of course, my name is Kip Morrill. Uh, been a, a Bigfoot enthusiast probably since I was about the age of six or seven, growing up in Redding, California, heard all the stories, read all the books, had the John Green books, etc. wasn't until probably, oh, maybe 2010, 2011, the world of Facebook, I was introduced to that. And, of course, uh, there were a lot of Facebook uh, Bigfoot groups, and so it allowed me to kind of connect with some people and, and get more involved out in the field. And so the rest is history. I've helped out on uh, some various uh, investigations uh, with uh, Bart Catino's uh, uh, thermal footage in the Sierras. Um, I've helped out uh, a little bit with uh, the Bluff Creek Project, great project, by the way, and uh, currently living in the Sacramento area. I'm a federal wildland firefighter, love the outdoors, just got back from southern Oregon, and that's a little bit about me. Thanks, Chip. Uh, Julie, tell us a little bit about Julie. Hi, I am from southwest Ohio, and I have been a Bigfoot enthusiast pretty much all of my life. I grew up hearing stories about the wild man of the Urari Forest, because I'm, I'm born right there next to the Rory Forest near Troy, North Carolina. Um, I got involved with the Janosqua Project over a year ago with Paul Hayes. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Paul. And we just recently um, expanded into Southwest Ohio. So now we have the Janosqua Project Southwest Ohio. And um, we've been doing uh, checking out migratory routes in Ohio that we believe are, are going on here, and that's pretty much where I'm cent- centralized right now is in Ohio. Thank you, Julie. Mr. Trent Nielsen, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, Gunner. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, I've, I, I began as a non-believer in Bigfoot until I had my own encounter and when I was, when I was young. And ever since then, I I can't get enough of it. I I research it everywhere, and it's just not myself. It's an entire community. And even this past year, several sightings and encounters in my hometown where I grew up. And and uh, this last year, I was recently on Discovery Channel's Naked and Afraid, a survival show, and and we got to talk a little bit about Bigfoot, and that that was a lot of fun because it brought a lot of questions from a lot of people that that had questions. So glad to be here, Gunner. Yep. Uh, and uh, we had Trent was on the show not too very long ago. Shared his encounter for, excuse me, from his childhood, which was really interesting. So I think I might have lost somebody. Hold on, just a nope. We're good. Everybody still there? Raise your hand if you're. Yep. So this year, um, 
for me, Bigfooting was seemed to be a little bit more uh, quiet, a kind of a quiet year for Bigfooting or Bigfoot stuff in general. But as I as I went back and was preparing for the show, I mean, there's there's always something that's going on, no matter how quiet it seems the year is. Um, I mean, one of the we had everything from uh, uh, the Lettuce Lake video, uh, which which uh, Initially, was kind of interesting, but I, uh, is everybody familiar with the Lettuce Lake video? Kip, Julie? Trent? Yes. This is Kip. I am not, actually. Um, yeah, in January, uh, there was a video, and it was taken to the swamp in the Lettuce Lake uh, Park in Florida, pretty close to Orlando. And uh, it's... It, uh, Sound a lot like it under pretty suspicious circumstances, but the initial uh, viewing of it, it was 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 pretty compelling. So if you haven't had a chance, folks, to to look at it, go ahead and look at it, um, and you can see what uh, extent that some. I, my personal uh, conclusion is that it looks to be like a hoax. So. But it was it did uh, get the year off to an interesting start. So uh, yeah, there we was had a lot of discussion yeah. about that. What's that? There was a lot of discussion about that. Um, I believe Matt Moneymaker came out and said he believed it to be a hoax, didn't he? I know that the BFRO, the Florida BFRO, was involved in it, um, and then we actually had a. Tim Pisano came on and talked about it. He was convinced that it was real. Uh, we actually sent him to uh, Shane suggested that he actually go contact some of the forest uh, workers that, that the rangers that were working in that area because supposedly the person had uh, made a report immediately afterwards. And as far as I know, that's never been done. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it didn't. It. But for the, those that saw, I mean, it was a very interesting looking initially, and it was, um, it was, my initial uh, observation was, it could have been a, uh, you know, could have been the real the real deal. But with that's why it's important to to uh, go and uh, investigate things more thoroughly than just going off your initial and, and the discussion, you know, things like fuzzy uh videos and and uh and pictures with that are not very clear and um, this was actually pretty interesting i mean as far as as the videos go so um, February we actually was a pretty quiet month in the the world of big footing for me i don't um, we had a actually had an interesting uh, report taken here in Oregon. And I actually uh, am a grocer by trade. And uh, a couple months later, I had a customer actually come in. Um, it was something that happened pretty close to to uh, where we research. And uh, this gentleman came in and was telling me about how he was upset with his mom because um, she'd seen a Bigfoot and not told him about it till much later. But the story was that this gal was um, headed west on this highway and, and came around a corner and there was a 
a semi stopped in the other lane, and uh, a Bigfoot had its hand on the hood of the semi, and, and she couldn't tell if it had been hit or or uh, it had, you know, been in the middle of the road and the truck stopped suddenly, and it was just, it looked irritated and, and, and looked at her and walked up the hillside. It was the story. And she drives by the guy, uh, the truck driver has got his window down and, and says, what, what the hell did we just see? And so that was that that was pretty interesting uh, for the as far as uh, reports um, in that time of year. So I mean, May Mark Dewart held his uh, annual Bigfoot conference there in Hawaii, Hawaii. I think that's a combination of Ohio and Hawaii. So, um, but no, it was in Ohio, and uh, I know that one of the big Big events at that time was the uh, had a viewing of the something that there's something in the woods, which uh, just came out on uh, DVD. Has anybody seen that movie yet? Yeah, I was there at the OBC in May, and uh, I thought it was pretty good, pretty well made. It had parts to it that were sort of humorous, mm-hmm. so it wasn't um, it wasn't what I expected. Actually, it was better than I anticipated as far as, you know, Bigfoot movies go. A lot of times we hear a bunch of hype about them, and then when they come out, it's kind of a letdown. But I actually like that one, and I will be purchasing it. And I've heard I've heard good things of the, um, the feedback that I had. We had um, one of the, the uh, actors from the movie was on the show, um, Michael Hall, was and, and uh, talked about the, the movie and the story behind the movie. And, um, I'm, I have not yet seen it, and, but I, I too will be purchasing it, and uh, can't wait to see it. We this this was an interesting era. There was a you know there that seems to be a hot topic for for uh, making movies in the last few years. Um, besides something in the woods, I think what else we had there's uh, was a movie released. Uh, Called Bigfoot Chronicles, um, and ironically, uh, the gentleman who made it is from here in Oregon, and uh, we we share a last name, but we're not related. So I was talking to him back a couple of years ago when he was making it, and, and uh, it was it, it was inter- it was an interesting movie, um, not one of my favorites, but uh, <laughs> it it. Uh, it was another another Bigfoot movie, kind of a low budget deal. Um, then I think there was yeah, there was I a couple other that. movies. The Chronicles movie. Did anybody else? Yeah, see that? I just saw the Chronicles. I just saw that a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. it was interesting. <laughs> a different so, a different yeah. spin on it. Yeah. And uh, I know that we had there's something a movie that I have not seen yet called Valley of the Sasquatch. I'm usually pretty good about, uh, you know, seeing those right away. So, but uh, did not, have not seen that. Anybody else see that one? I'm taking that as a no. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I didn't see it. <laughs> so, well, it, isn't that, was, uh, um, it's just showing in certain cities at different times, right. isn't it, so far? I don't, um, yeah, I don't think that it's white. It's not got white release, and I don't think that it's out on, on 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I know that um, it was down in North Carolina, and a couple of my friends down there saw it, and they thought it was really awesome. That, that, okay, cool. So something that was, there's one to put on your uh, uh, watch list. Excuse and me, Julie, and, uh, Julie, what was the name of the movie you said that you were going to purchase? Something in the Woods. Okay, I missed that. I wanted to write it down. And the other couple movies that, that came out this year, um, Eduardo Sanchez uh, Exists came out on DVD. I, it might have been released uh, in 2014, but I know that it came out on DVD this year. And that one that one actually was uh, really well done. Um, and the... the uh, sounds like somebody's on an airplane or... Kip, are you flying a plane right now? I just landed. <laughs> you saw Bigfoot. Okay. You know, somebody's flying, flying their drone in the background. But uh, Exist was I, I, I thought I would give that one a, a four and a half out of five stars. Did anybody else watch uh, See Exist? I love it. Yeah. My memory, because I, I'm thinking I did see it. Did they have a cabin in the woods out there? And that, uh, yes. The, the guy on the mountain bike. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty good as well. And I, um, for those who don't know, Eduardo Sanchez actually was involved with the, the Blair Witch Project, and uh, ironically, this one was not. Not as Blair Witchy to me as Willow Creek actually ended up being. So um, there was a an angry Bigfoot, but there was actually a reason for it to uh, to be angry. So uh, that one, I'm right. that's a definitely I recommend. And the other one that uh, I have yet to see yet, but I hear is excellent, is the Minerva Monster. Anybody on? Oh any yeah, guests yeah, that? that was great. That was great. Um, Paul Hayes was actually in that and um, did his story about when he had his sighting. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't too far away from Minerva when he had his sighting on his property. Cool. So that was kind of interesting. But it was that's really good. I bought that one. And, um, you know, I had – it was packed in that room at the OVC when they um, – Showed that for the first time, it was like almost standing room only, and everybody just absolutely loved it. Cool. Anybody else? You haven't seen that one, Kit or Trent? Yeah, no, this I have not. I didn't. I didn't see that one either. All right. Well, um, Henry posted a uh, link to it in the room, so thank you, Henry. Um, yeah, the little ones that I, I actually I, I use my my wife who's a skeptic to um, kind of vet uh, whether a Bigfoot movie is good or not, and uh, she uh-huh. enjoyed Exist. And funny and interesting enough, um, she really liked Willow Creek. So, hey, I I I thought that um, that was kind of interesting coming from a, a pretty big skeptic. So, and I liked. Um, I liked Willow Creek. Tough. I, I uh, 
just wasn't a fan of the end of the movie, how it came. But um, the tenth scene, awesome. If you haven't seen it, I still would recommend. um, That was actually done by Bobcat Goldthwait, of all people, who has actually been, uh, you know, a producer of, of, he hasn't, uh, it was funny because I hadn't seen him in forever, and, you know, he was a comedian back in the 80s and, and did the weird voice, and uh, I I attended two screenings of Willow Creek in Portland, and, you know, he, he, he talked pretty normal. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, this is my real voice. And I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's kind of weird. It felt a little disconcerting because uh, the, uh, you know, if you're used to him being that other character, so... Um, other things that happened this year, we had uh, uh, the uh, Survivor Man Bigfoot episodes. Uh, Kip, did you did you watch the Survivor Man Bigfoot episodes? Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought they were actually pretty interesting. Um, I, I kind of appreciated the way he approached things. He he definitely he he kind of tries to mask the fact that he I think he is a believer but he kind of masks it in, in a bit of a skeptic way, which I kind of appreciated. But, um, yeah, because you, you wonder that somebody like that who's out in the woods by themselves, um, you know, they're they're going to typically be somebody I would think that would, you know, you're, you're going to be super attentive to the things that are happening around you. And so for somebody like that who spends an enormous amount of time in the woods by themselves, um, you know, I'm sure they're – there there should be some interesting things that happen and I'm sure that much of it is explained away because he does spend a lot of time out there. So if he's experiencing something then uh that that makes him question things and, and whatnot, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Julie, did you did you uh catch the Survivor Man episodes, Bigfoot episodes? Um yes I did, actually and um I thought they were interesting with, um, you know, I was kind of surprised to see Todd standing. Um, but uh, I guess that made it even more interesting and probably drew a lot more people to want to watch and see what he was up to. <laughs> but um, as far as the concept goes, it was awesome, and I really like Les. You know, I've watched him do his survival shows for a long time. And I think if anybody is going to be able to go out there with somebody and find anything, any type of evidence, it should be lost. I mean, he's very equipped to be out in the outdoors like that. Trent, did you catch the Survivor Man Bigfoot episodes? Yeah, I did. And I'll tell you what I, what I think about it. With Les, and being that I was on, on one of the reality shows I understand the production, putting it on TV. You want to draw a crowd. Les, he goes out there by himself. He's not, he produces everything that he does. When I went out there, I gave him material, and they produced it how they wanted. But Les produces it how he wants. And what he's very particular about is trust and that he actually has survival experiences. He's very alert to what people think about him and that he actually does what he says. So when he's out there talking about Bigfoot, and being that he's a survivalist and he's out there so much, you get a keen to those sounds around you. 
you know, where, where when I went to the jungle, I, they were all new sounds to me. I had no idea what was out there. But Les, he's very, he's very keen to what's going on around him. And for him to come out and say something to the public, Les is very, very aware that he wants people to only know the truth. And for him to even do an episode like that was a little bit edgy. And then when, when he came out with it and talked about Bigfoot, it, it was it, it just it was amazing to me because there's something out there and he knows there is, but he's playing the fence on both sides. But I'll tell you, he wouldn't have even done the show had he not known some of his experiences were actually really real. Where you know how much can we really trust TV? How much can we really trust the internet? But when Les comes out and says it, wow, he, he's actually one person I trust 100%. Yeah, and he had, um, he's had a couple of experiences, uh, I believe it was in Alaska, it was one of them that he, he heard some very ape-like sounds when he was out by himself, and that kind of piqued his interest. So I remember one of the, on one of the episodes, he was on the island, he heard what sounded like uh, a tree being pushed over, and he, I know he alluded to uh, what, you know, how many times he'd heard that in the when he was out in the woods by himself, and that yeah, didn't it, really have the, it, the context of of uh, of Bigfoot so much at that time. But well, and you when you have someone like Les who is out there so much, and I have friends that actually live out in the woods, you learn what those sounds are, you learn patterns, you learn consistency, and and these things that he was hearing were not like what he had what he had usually been accustomed to hearing and that's that's what first alerted him and and that's why he did the series is he had a few experiences and and uh he's like hey um there's something going on let's go check it out so i mean just just keep that in mind he he knows the sounds out there and when you hear something different when you're used to something it throws up the red flags you know, it was interesting, and I like I like the fact that it, you know he his uh, reputation uh, brings attention, positive attention, to a Bigfoot field that isn't always treated seriously. Right, right, and treated nut job, uh, which is which is nice because he does have a little bit of credibility, and he's not just um, just somebody every day that. Um, yeah, so it's it's nice that he does have some positive credibility towards the uh towards Bigfooting. Yeah, and Les is a great guy and he's not like I said, if 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 I'm gonna trust somebody out there I would trust Les. He's he's not gonna let you think there's something that isn't out there. If he he's the type of person that if he sees and does it, he wants to share it with everybody. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean that well, at the end of 2014, one of the big conversations was that that uh, at the Sasquatch Summit in Washington, uh, Les was there along with uh, Dr. Meldrum and Dr. Bindernagel and as and Todd Standing, and uh, it was it was interesting because it being there, it uh, Standing's. Uh, presentation was very much like a sales pitch and at the time he was trying to uh had put out there i think he was 
was asking, trying to make uh, raise nine hundred thousand dollars, and I don't know if that was uh, his failure to do so, and the lack of warm reception. I think at at the summit may have been contributed to his uh, going pretty going silent. So there haven't been any more uh, uh, Muppet videos. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lack of Muppet videos. The, there was interesting back in, I mean, before the video at Lettuce Lake came out, there was a, a still picture, and it was, if you looked at it, it was obvious an ape suit, and it had a big uh, white stripe down the top of its head, um, and it was submerged up to uh, over its chest in the water. And it's uh, it was it was uh, kind of hilarious because of course it showed up on a on a news program and they they uh, uh, mocked it and that unfortunately is one of those things that uh, uh, gets out there and and the media jumps on it and of course that's how the Bigfoot um, community research community is is uh, represented a lot of times so. So, um, finding Bigfoot after continues on and the soldiers on and on, and the fact they have a new uh, season coming up in uh, January. And uh, over, you know, we keep hearing rumors that that it's it's the last season. Um, we've heard that for the last two or three years now. Um, so, who any of you guys still watch Finding Bigfoot? I do. I still enjoy it, even though it's kind of ridiculous sometimes, but I actually really enjoy it. Julie, do you watch Finding Bigfoot? Yeah. Yep, I watch it. I like um, I like Cliff a lot. and You know, I enjoy watching him. And, and not to say I don't like the others either, but Cliff just seems to be, um, I don't know, more in the same line that I perceive things. Trent, do you watch Finding... Are you a fan of Finding Bigfoot? Yeah, actually, I do watch it. And I, I like that every once in a while they throw in a few things that... when w- With all the stories out there, like Bigfoot throwing rocks or sticks or, or stalking a camp or things like that, I like the aspect that... Because sometimes you don't think about things you don't think about. And there's so many stories and so many different things out there. And every once in a while, they're plugging a few of those things in. So I, I actually enjoy watching and looking for those things. Well, I, I, I can yeah, honestly say hall. that I have not. Go ahead, Julie. Go I'm ahead. sorry. The town hall meetings, I really enjoy that the most out of, you know, out of the show. That's the, the thing because, you know, you see people that you know that you've talked to on there telling their story and I always find that really fascinating though to hear the different stories from different parts of the country. Yeah, and I that's always been my favorite part of um finding Bigfoot. I actually uh, have been on two episodes in bit parts. <laughs> so um and so kind of like uh, you know like what uh, Trent is referring to and you you get behind the scenes and you see how much actual production there is to to the shows and um, it was interesting to watch uh, the order that they 
record things and then what you how you see it on TV is doesn't necessarily uh, line up. So, but I you know it, I I hear people bash uh, finding Bigfoot and uh, the thing is is that it's it's a television show for inter- entertainment and they come up with a formula that's made them successful um, and makes makes the obviously must be making Animal Planet money or they would not have you know it wouldn't it wouldn't keep renewing it so and all the, the Cliff is an active Bigfooter I know Cliff and when he's not on TV playing a Bigfooter he is actually out in the woods quite often. Um, big footing, and and it's quite different than than uh, what you see on TV. Um, I know I know Matt Moneymaker. I, uh, you know, he's he for uh, a lot of the Bigfoot community is a bit of a villain. But if you get a, uh, around Matt, he actually is uh, a decent guy, and uh, I spent some time with him a couple times out in the field and. He is, he I, is I who he is. I think it actually draws some fairly positive attention to Bigfooting. Um, you know, I'll talk to a lot of people, and they think it's a big joke, some of them. But, but for the most part, it kind of brings Bigfooting kind of into the uh, into the mainstream a little more than, than it would have. Um, right. And just me personally is that um, I, I think that – and from what I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that the next season is going to have just a little bit different um, formula, I guess. But because um, I, I do believe that kind of the same old formula is getting tiring for me. But you're mm-hmm. absolutely right, Gun. Say that um, that hey, it's making the money. That's you know, if the the old premise of if it didn't broke, don't fix it. But um, for me to see something different. I understand that they may stay a little bit longer in some particular areas, just in, as opposed to just a few days um, doing the, the solo investigation and, and some of those things. So I think, boy, if, if they get into some really interesting areas and I agree, probably one of the favorite, my favorite parts is the, uh, the actual town hall meetings and hearing the actual experiences. That's, that's my, that's my favorite thing as well. But um, if they get into some really good areas that have some really good, uh, solid leads on on sighting reports, and then actually stay there for a significant amount of time to actually do some serious investigation. I think that's going to be really cool. And that's kind of what I've heard. That's rumor, but um, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the, that formula changes just a little bit. Yeah, and, and I yeah, agree I with I agree with you, Kip. Yeah. It's the the I mean it's it's a lot of the what if factor. And that's that's what I love about the show because they bring a lot of different things to the table, and just like the producers asked me when I was in Belize, they they asked me they said, "Do you truly believe in Bigfoot?" And I said, "How can you not believe in Bigfoot? You have think about a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, we didn't have internet, we didn't have telephone, we didn't have mail systems." But yet we have explorers that travel the world now, and there's the same stories on every continent. And that, to me, is fascinating, how it can't be that coincidental. No, the, uh, yeah, and Finding Bigfoot, the, the uh, cast members are well aware that, that, uh, that what 
they put on uh, um, on the show is not not what they actually do when they're out uh, in the field. Basically, it's uh, not to the degree that and it, it's like you said, it's a TV show, and and Kip, you kind of nailed it on the head. Is that it's raised awareness. That's what I tell people. It's raised awareness. It's kind of this generation's, you know, in search of. It it has weight. And I've had lots of people be able to, that have shared their encounters with me that may not have felt comfortable doing it before they saw it on TV. So um, kudos to Finding Bigfoot for continuing to raise public awareness uh, of the, the subject and not, you know, are they going to find Bigfoot? They, I don't know. They, I hear some you know, maybe they will. One of these times they're they're spending a lot of time out in the field, so that's awesome. One of the other uh, events from uh, this year that that, uh, took place was uh, the Falcon Project. Controversial uh, from the beginning, basically, the idea was, the concept was to to take a a team of people and put them out and give them the technology that, that really hasn't been done before and have them uh, basically live out in the field for a, a starting out a period of six months. There was talk of airships and with the, you know, high definition cameras and, and uh, what ended up happening was uh, it, it crashed and burned basically before it ever got off the ground. Pun intended. But uh, what was interesting is I... I was always supported by the idea of putting, you know, putting a group of people out in a, a area that had an active area that you could almost, I mean, for that long a period of time, if you had the technology, and you, it seemed like uh, it, it had uh, potential, and uh, there were some folks that that did actually show up at the, the time right before the the project was supposed to start, and um, they reported uh, a, a really good uh, sighting and uh, some activity uh, in the limited time that they spent out there. And uh, Bruce Kelly in the chat room was saying, good concept, bad management. And I that's yeah. what I, I think it came down to. The idea was... Uh, go ahead. Oh, I, the skip, think, I was just going to mention that that my my overall first thought when I heard about this was uh, that saying of when it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, mm-hmm. The concept was absolutely amazing. And um, help me remember, the gentleman who, who was the, the Wayne part Barn. of that project? Barn. Wayne Barnes. I, Barn. I, yeah. I, I yeah. actually spoke to him on the phone a couple of times. Um, in, in my profession, um, I deal with, uh, I'm, I'm actually an aviation manager um, involved mm-hmm. with wildland fighting and, and other things. And so he and I had a conversation just about the uh, the airspace issues over, you know, national forests, over public lands, those types of things, which, you know, in the long run, uh, federal agencies, uh, it's the FAA that manages airspace. You know, federal land management agencies don't manage airspace per se. They manage land. But... He, he, from the very start when I was talking with him, I, he had some interesting responses and, and claims that he had, who he had spoken to at, at various levels of government, which I kind of questioned a little bit. 
But um, in the long run, yeah, it, to me, it just from the very beginning, it was the the old adage of, it, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And to do something like that at that level, um, you're talking about some serious, serious dollars, you know, and, and right. never never seemed exactly right how how it was ever going to happen. But, um, but I was skeptical from the beginning, but hopeful that maybe something like that could work out. But um, – Anyway, that's just my two cents. Well, that's yeah. Was the the idea seemed um, to have validity, but like you said, execution was, did not did not happen. So, <laughs> uh, Julie, what do you have any thoughts on the the Falcon project? Well, yeah, I know that there were um, a, a lot of questions that were being raised that were asked uh, over and over that were never exactly answered. It was kind of like a dance around the answer, never really gave the direct answer. And those um, questions, I believe, are some of the issues that caused it to crash and burn. Exactly. um, In my conversation with with William, it seemed like he was he was really kind of combative uh, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, not you know he wanted to to uh, poke people and maybe and maybe it was because he didn't have the answers to the, the questions that were being asked. So his to get combative was his defense. So, but the idea was Wait. you know it, it it was the year I know that it's a project that he had worked on for uh, a number of years because it came up back several years ago where they did a uh, had a meeting in Portland and uh, uh, initially I believe that, that uh, Derek Randalls was somebody that they were uh, looking at having participate in, and uh, Derek would have brought a lot to the table but um, it just just was a, an interesting concept that just did not you know come to fruition but uh, Maybe sometime in the future, somebody would, you know, it, like like you're saying, Kip, that was always one of my questions too, is the finance, uh, uh, the idea that that uh, you you need some kind of big backer for for that kind of of project, and um, it just didn't happen. Yeah, I, so. and I think some of the bigger questions were about the the blimp if you will, itself and the protocol, Mm -hmm. where is it? And, you know, that was the the biggest question. I don't think anyone ever really answered. Um, It it was, is it really been created? You know, is it sitting in a warehouse somewhere? Nobody could really answer that question. Right. Yeah, it's probably (laughs) in the house in the uniform. Yeah, and I was like, everybody... (laughs) constantly asked that question, but it was, again, you know, never really answered. Um, And how can you have a project that you're calling the Falcon Project, and one of the major things in it is the the, the blimp, if you will, again, going over the the countryside, reporting back what's what's being seen, but you you can't say where that blimp's at or if it's ever been created. Right. And my understanding is there was not ever ever a blimp... um, or prototype that was made, um, and I would have been fine with the, the concept of having 
um, the ground team out there for six months, and if they ever got the blimp or didn't get the blimp, that would, um, there was you know there was two things. There was what was being put out there the financial. There was a financial issue that were brought up about whether or not um, investor people that were investing their money were going to get what they were paying for. But the just in concept, the idea of putting a team out there for six months um, with had, had was a great idea to me, with or without a blimp. Um, yes, I agree totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I think that was, should have been the main focus to begin with. And the talk about a blimp or the prototype blimp should have been scrapped from day one and just go with, you know, having people out there for long periods of time because that's the only way you're going to really find the evidence that um, is needed is persistence out there. You know, it's not going to be found in one- and two-day adventures out in the woods. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you, Julie. It's going to take some serious bankroll. It's going to take some serious dedication and, and, you know, to find people who have the time to be able to take work. Maybe they're retired. Maybe there's some way to pay them. But, um, yeah, absolutely. It's going to take take some something, uh, some serious uh, bankroll and some people that can do it. But this is the idea of going out there and having people investigate particular areas for six months at a time, ah, that's, I think that's pretty cool. I think that, um, you know, that that could either get some good evidence or, or not, but at least, you know, I think that's a, a good solid chance. Otherwise, you know, it, I think a lot of us have areas I think we go out to and we we want to have some sort of uh, uh, an encounter or have an idea of having some evidence, but, man, it is a shot in the dark. It's It's pretty much luck at this point so yeah it it's uh sadly it, it did not take off get off the ground again pun intended <laughs> um <laughs> uh, one of the the interesting things that did come out of of uh this year was uh the excuse me was uh at a report put out by the North American Wood Ape Conservancy, the Wachita, 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 that was it, Wachita Project um, monograph, uh, a 229-page document uh, covering um, their activities and the evidence that they collected and and a lot of of detail um, that, that came out in March. Um, any have uh, Julie? Did you uh, have a chance to look at that? Um, yeah, actually, I did. When it first came out, I spent uh, some time reading that. You know, it, like you said, it was a couple hundred pages, and I read it over the course of a couple weeks. You know, on and off when I had the chance to sit down and read it. Um, there was a lot of interesting information in that. Um, you know that you could tell like the wood knocking, the pattern of the wood knocking that they received. Um, you know, it's that, that that long-term study is, again, why I think it's so important to be able to be in an area for a long period of time to begin to establish patterns of where they might be and, you know, what different do they follow the food, do they, you know, that sort of thing. And I thought that was a really good report 
Um, and unfortunately, some people won't even read it because they are against the idea of shooting a Bigfoot. Um, so it is kind of a controversial ideal, but I think it's, um, I think it all in all, it was a really good report. Did you get a chance to peruse the the report? Peruse is probably a really good way to put it. I I haven't sunk my teeth in into it like to the uh, to the degree that Julie has, but um, but just knowing that the per- the participants, um, you know, like uh, Bob and Kathy Strain, um, some of some of those folks, those are some mm-hmm. highly credible people that that I think that are really taking a a good scientific look at things. Um, of course, Kathy has a scientific uh, biological background. Uh, she's a uh, works with the in the federal government. You know, in, in a uh, capacity, uh, I believe it's um, uh, uh, anthro- not anthropology. Help me out here, archaeology. I'm sorry. So, so I think that that adds uh, quite a bit of credibility to anything that 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 group is putting out. And uh, yeah, I, I I get that it's a it's a controversial thing that you know you have people that are very upset about the whole kill no kill type of thing. But um, honestly. Um, until we have a biological specimen, and I, uh, people have asked, you know, well, could you pull the trigger? No, I couldn't. If I if I had a, a Sasquatch or Bigfoot, a wood ape, whatever you want to call it, in the sights of, of a rifle, I could not pull the trigger. I would not. I'm not going to demonize anybody that does, but I do believe that um, that we we need a physical biological specimen if we ever want to prove the existence. Camera trap. Oh, I totally agree. You know, nothing nothing is, is going to be nothing is going to suffice. So, what if we what what about a skeleton? I think that would help. I think that's a good possibility. <laughs> but yeah, but even and then, if you watch, if you read, um, you know, if you're paying attention to what in other fields, um, in fact, earlier this year they. They found, actually it was last year, but the, the article came out, I believe, in September in uh, National Geographic, and they found uh, Homo nolaidi in uh, South Africa, some cave in a, an area where they found uh, other bone before, but another uh, another species that had, uh, and, it, and of course it was all bones. And you got to wonder where you know where are all the bigfoot bones? Yeah, uh, yeah, that could be the whole show, right? Uh, What's that? I Jeff, said that topic could be a whole show right there. Where are the? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it later. <laughs> what were you going to say, Kim? Oh, just yeah. I mean, it's. I always get that question too. Well, where are the bones? How come we haven't found this or that? I don't know. Do they bury them? Do they eat them? Do they uh, porcupines eat them? You know, I, that's just the thing. It it always cracks me up because there's so much um, passion and uh, frustration between different different groups over over something that nobody really knows. So it, <laughs> it, it just always cracks me up how. Uh, Nobody knows. We we can only kind of, uh, you know, uh, have theories and whatnot. So who knows? Maybe somebody's found one and they just don't want to come forward because they don't want to be looked at as a lunatic. I don't know. 
but but then again, also, how many times are we out there and we come across some bones and go, oh, that was an elk, that was a deer, that must have been a bear, and then we keep walking. I mean, ma- maybe right. we I mean, come yeah. across the bones and we just discard it to be a some animal that we're familiar with. Absolutely. Yeah. For, I, for, first of all, I've never seen a bear. I've never seen a. I wouldn't say that I spend a tremendous amount of time in the woods, but, you know, I get out, but I've never seen a bear skeleton. I've never seen a cougar or a mountain lion skeleton. Um, you know, you you typically don't – I've never found a porcupine skeleton. <laughs> so I'm sure they're out there, but um, but those are, are – are, there's a rare – that's a rarity. And then you have something, you know, like a Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and there's obviously different um, theories onto populations and those types of things. But, you know – Again, I bring up the unicorn. You know, it's it's about trying to find a find an actual unicorn. It's just a it's a needle in a haystack. Yeah, and and uh, a a friend of mine was saying, well, it's a needle in a haystack, and that the needle keeps moving. So, right, and and yeah, you know, so. um, a few weeks ago we did a I did an experiment. I um in the area where I'm at here in Ohio, I know. You know, the ratio of deer, the ratio of raccoon, the ratio of possum, the, you know, squirrels, all that. And I did an experiment. I took a four-hour hike into the countryside. And what I saw when I was out there, knowing all those animals are out there and that they exist, I saw two squirrels in four hours. Well, well, so that kind of... The rest of those squirrels probably were in a portal. Yes, they were, and they were watching me from way up high. <laughs> right. Hey, we, we've know. become masters of our universe. I think they have, too. Right. So, you know, you would think with all of these creatures we know are out there, we'd be stumbling over them, on, you know, on our way up the hillside. But it, that wasn't the case at all. And, you know, normally I never really stopped to, to think about it. Well, did you see a raccoon when you were out there? Did you see, you know, you really don't think about those things. But when I did that experiment, that was very telling, you know. And I'm not saying they're they're an eight foot tall bipedal, but I'm just saying you would think with the number of um, squirrels or raccoons or deers that we have in this part of Ohio, you would be seeing more than two in a four hour time frame. Right, and it all it then you take population, like you say you of known animals, yeah. and we're talking probably probably the least populous animal in in the woods and right. um, likely the most intelligent animal in the woods. And they don't, you know, if you took a person out there that was reasonably intelligent and didn't want to be seen, you're, uh, you're decreasing the chances of there actually being an encounter. And, and there are, um, there actually are fairly regular encounters with, with uh, Bigfoot. So, <clears throat> Well, exactly. I mean, that's go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see any bones either. By the way, when I was out there on that four-hour trek, not not a deer bone, not a anything. So, you know, and, and that that was just a four-hour trip, you know, straight in and straight out without um, exploring, you know, every single path. But I did go off of path. I went up, I went down by the creeks. I went, trailed the creek side. 
you know, and you'd see, um, I didn't see that many raccoon or deer tracks along the side of the creek either like I thought I would. You know, obviously they're there to drink by the water side, but it was just uh, very eye-opening. It was really interesting. I was with um, with Bart and, oh, Jamie, Leiterman. There was a big group of us a couple of years ago, and this was in February. We were up near Crescent City, California, kind of on the coast of the Redwoods, and uh, had gotten into a, an area that was closed off, um, that was owned by the parks, uh, the California state parks, but hadn't been developed yet. And so we were camped back in there. And this was like, it was a complete, absolute dead zone. I mean, there was, there wasn't even birds. I mean, there was nothing. And, you know, we were looking around for different uh, pieces of evidence. We got out at night and whatnot. The only thing that we ever saw and only captured, uh, Bart had a, a, a game cam out by his vehicle. And the only thing we captured a fox walked by in the middle of the night, and it just made me wonder about how many things that we walk past that um, are actually there. You know, it's a dead zone. It looked dead to, to, all, to all of us, but how many things do we walk past that we just don't even know are there? Um, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, you see a lot of sighting reports about Sasquatches where um, they're tree peekers, or, you know, if you look at the thermal footage that Bart took in the Sierras, you know, that was a that was talk about luck just having the right angle at the right place at the right time to see some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of body heat coming from behind some trees. I mean, it it really makes you wonder how many times we have driven past, whether it's, you know, on a busy uh, four-lane freeway on I-5 maybe going through Oregon or on a Forest Service road at night that we just don't see. You know, there's – and I always wonder if the ones that run across the road – are these the stupid ones, and we we got to see the dumb ones, or I don't know. But uh, it does make you wonder. I, I'm I'm certain there's a lot of things that um, we are just you know our eyes aren't necessarily picking up. You know, we're just we're, we're seeing everything we can, but but the but the survival of most animals depends a lot on not being seen by us. So kind of makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, even when we do see animals, known animals you know, how fast a, a deer or elk takes off and and you try and find them, you know, scan the the uh, landscape and try to find them. You know damn well that they know where you're at and they're watching you. So it's amazing and, to see they disappear in plain sight. And their their biggest thing is to either not be seen by you and if they're seen by you, to avoid you and get away from you. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, um, one of the, so I'm going to touch on uh, a little bit of a paranormal topic. I, it's the I, I would have, the elephant in the room. It's the portal in the room. Mm. One of the interesting things that happened this year was uh, uh, in April, I believe. Uh, Matt, Dr. Matt Johnson, uh, held a habituation conference. Uh, in Washington, and announced that they, in his research area in uh, southern Oregon, which he dubbed SOA, that he'd had there'd been an incident there with with Adam Davies and John Carlton um, that involved uh, a portal opening up and some some of what he refers to as 
as uh, uh, guardians of the portal. Um, and for over a year, uh, Adam Davies had not said uh, yay or nay about uh, this report being true or not, and he did come out to share in an interview and and confirm that uh, that there had been something that had uh, occurred. There seems to be a little bit of difference of opinion about what uh, um, what what exactly the nature of it was. But uh, uh, let's go around, Julie. What do you think about uh, portals and Bigfoot? <laughs> Um, yeah, it sounds like a movie. Guardians of the Portal. Yeah. Well, um, I did. I did watch the video that um, the good doctor put out, and read the story several times. And I did. I'm familiar with uh, what Adam Davies had said. And I just. My biggest issue is we just don't have any scientific proof that portals even exist to begin with. That's that's my biggest hang up, you know. I'm not saying if if big if portals were real they wouldn't be around a Bigfoot. I'm just saying we have no proof that um portals even exist as we would know them showing up um on the countryside and guardians come out and that sort of thing. I, I I'm more of a scientific approach on things, so, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think any real exclusive, verifiable evidence has been produced yet for that. Right. Yeah, that's that's part of the issue with with um, extraordinary claims like such as the the portal idea is that uh, they're almost. I mean, they're they're going to be. Um, anecdotal stories at best. Um, it just for me, it was interesting that they uh, came out and uh, you know something uh, either you know either all the and and I have actually um, been in contact with all the the people that were present at the time and they they all swore up and down that 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 is what their story is is what happens. So they're either lying or or they had something happen. What the nature of it is, I cannot. You know, say or get into. I, I had a discussion. Yeah, I, with, I think that I I think Adam saw something. I'm not going to say that Adam's lying. I'm not going right. to say you know, what he saw or didn't see. But I'm just saying, for me, I would need um, scientific evidence that a portal is even a possibility to what they saw before I would right. believe that story. Yep, you're you're a fan of Soa. Yeah, I guess for me, I I think that we we get caught up in semantics and terminology, and so when when the term portal and guardians and some of these other things kind of got tossed into it, I think that it kind of took away from the credibility, you know, the the, the, the from from what I understand, you know, there was something visible and there were some sort of entities, but to call them guardians or to call it an actual portal versus, you know, 
some sort of unexplained phenomenon. I, I think that if different terminology was used to explain some of what was seen, that um, I think that it would have probably been easier for people to maybe accept and kind of understand and, and or not understand, but accept and and be curious of. You know, there's it, it's almost like Bigfoot sightings in the sense that um, you really a sighting experience is a very personal experience. Um, you know, to ask somebody to, you know, say like the Derek Randall's, ask Derek Randall, hey, prove to me that you had rocks thrown at you from a Sasquatch and that you turned around and you saw this thing. He right. can't prove that. It's a very personal experience. And I think that, you know, it's, there, there's enough mystery in the universe and in the world that um, I just don't know. I, I think that um, undoubtedly, all three of them saw something to call it a portal to call it uh the entities call them uh what is it um guardians uh, to call them guardians i just I, I think that's where the the problem lies i think people start kind of getting caught up in semantics but i also know that you know it it's having been involved with um with bart with the sierra project with um with his thermal footage having been there having helped with the recreation having been able to see the angles of where you know the footage was taken etc i was there to to see exactly where everything happened yet you know everybody has an opinion oh it was just those guys that were walking around at the campfire well no that's not true because i saw the camera angles i saw where the fire pit was this that and the other everybody has an opinion who wasn't there who didn't experience it um right you're never gonna you're never gonna prove it. You know what I mean? Put a picture, put it on the internet, somebody's gonna debunk oh well that's look at that. That's that's just uh glow from whatever you know, whatever city. Um you know, I've experienced some interesting things myself. I was out with actually it was Bart and I were in uh, Redwoods National Park and we were filming and looking out and I actually had I think it was a Gen four night vision, but uh we were at the top of this uh, area, looking down, there was a road, and we both saw it. There was this light coming up the the road. We could never figure out where it was coming from. It wasn't the town. I'm not saying it was. I don't. I wouldn't know what it was, but it. But we saw this light. You can't explain it. You know. I'm telling you what I saw. Can I prove it? No. There's no way. So so. Anyways, I guess getting back to the whole thing is that I believe we saw something. There's no way they can actually prove it. It's a very personal experience. I think the getting caught up in the semantics of what the, the what they're calling it or other people are calling it um, is takes away from probably their experience. But I think probably something happened. What it was, I, I don't know. Well, I don't think even the people that were present know exactly what 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 to make of it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I think you hit on a good point too. Throughout Bigfooting, the some of the terminology we add when we label things, one um, one would be zapping is another good, or eye shine is another good example of those things that that when when you label them like that, when you call something zapping rather than just describing the experience that you you may have, it does give it a, a certain negative connotation. And makes it sound more, you know. Regardless of it, we have we need to report what happens, 
and I've said before is it's no more scientific to exclude those things, those reports that include elements that we don't may not have personally experienced or cannot easily explain than it is to uh, you know we need it needs to be included part of the record. They're not things that can um, be measured or or uh, or confirmed, but there is enough of it, you know, uh, that it probably needs to to be included in the record. Um, I there's agree. also I think the, the ten, yeah. there's the tendency of people to to take two separate events and merge them without their, you know, without the connect the dots. Um, I saw, I had this experience, and then I saw Bigfoot, so therefore. Uh, the two are related in Bigfoot. I saw a UFO and I saw Bigfoot, so Bigfoot pilots UFOs. That's not, you know, that isn't, and there's a lot of that kind of uh, reporting of, of and conclusion drawing that probably is not, uh, isn't accurate and, and does not mean, if you saw, you know, the only time I'm going to tell you that that I, I know that Bigfoot is an alien flying UFOs is if I saw Bigfoot flying a UFO or being down out of a UFO. Uh, otherwise, i got two separate things going on. And that could happen. I mean, in theory, you could have orbs here and then Bigfoot over here. It's Part of the problem is uh, when people take them and merge them together. Um, I also have, you know, a, uh, a question about uh, is Bigfoot uh, paranormal for you, and he's flesh and blood for me? I mean, it, pretty much we're t- talking about the same animal, unless there is some other. You know, then we're going down another path. But well, so so my wife is a biologist by trade, and mm-hmm. uh, she was working in the last national forest in the uh, early '90s um, on a uh, uh, basically an, an owl hooting crew. So they were doing surveys for spotted owl. And um, now they're in the middle of nowhere, two o'clock in the morning, absolutely in the middle of nowhere. And she hears this, and this is years later. It was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. I remember this experience, but they're out in the middle of nowhere, and they heard this whack, whack, whack. And they looked at each other and thought, who is cutting wood out here in the middle of nowhere at two o'clock in the morning on the last national forest? Um, and then followed by, well, maybe she said it was a couple of minutes later, you know, a, a tree came crashing down. So interesting coincidence. Not sure what it was. But, you know, some, some people will come right out and say, well, that was a big thing. Well, there was no, there's nothing else that it could have been. When in reality, um, you know, maybe somebody was, maybe some Bigfoot researchers were out there and whacking a tree. <laughs> And, and then another pissed off, uh, you know, a bear who was rubbing his back. I don't know. It's, you know, without right. actually, like you said, with physically seeing to correlate the experience with, it's hard to say. It becomes a, it's compelling evidence, but it's damning evidence, as as Bart would say. You know, it's, and he'll say that about his, his thermal footage, too, is that it's, it's compelling, but it's not damning because mm-hmm. it's, you know, you, it's, you can't convict a man on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Trent, do you have a uh, any feedback on the the idea of portals and 
that Bigfoot? Well, I've never seen a portal, but there's a lot of things that I've never seen that I actually believe in. And I won't mention Sundays for three hours. <laughs> you know, do you think about things you don't think about? Are they out there? Are they not? All I know is as smart as we are and as scientific as we are, the best we can come up with is that we only use 10% of our brains. So why question it or why not question it? Could it be? Could it not be? I don't know, but I'm not saying it's not out there. But I'll tell you this. If I'm out there in the in the middle of the night in the woods and I see a portal, I'm not running from it. I'm going to run towards it. That's all I can say about that. Well, if you would please wear a GoPro when you're out in the woods, we'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, that, that, that right. Hey, it's only a matter of time. We we didn't used to have technology. We have it now, and it's it's only a matter of time. Right, and that's the thing is, you know, we talk about um, that that science doesn't allow for certain things, or kind of like, I, you know, I I hope to God that we're we're not at the pinnacle of of knowing everything that there is, because um, we're kind of screwed if that's the case. Uh, if, if science has all the answers at this point, um, we're uh, we're screwed. Because <laughs> we we got a the if you look at our our civilization at this point, we got a lot of room for uh, growth potential. So uh, hopefully, hey, well, well, yeah, other... look at it. Back in the back in the mid 1800s. I don't remember which governor or president it was, but they stated we are at the peak of our potential. We have invented everything there is to invent. We have evolved <laughs> as far as we can evolve. That was 150 years ago. Look at us now from 150 years ago. Again, do you think yeah. about things you don't think about? Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to take a quick call. Um, I know that uh, Henry May is, is uh, on the line here. Hold on just a second. Henry, are you there? Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Hey, Henry. Hey. Uh, very good show so far, guys. I'm, I've been enjoying listening to you guys talk about the various things that have happened in the year 2015 in the Bigfoot world. Of course, let's not forget about it. I'm sure you'll get to it before too long. The um, The Newsweek edition that came out last month. The yep. uh, the Newsweek Bigfoot, which by the way, Kip won a copy of it in my contest. So <laughs> I also I also gave away a copy of Newsweek in a, our Monster X contest. So cool. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. I mean that that uh, you know for Newsweek to come out with with. Uh, uh, a whole magazine, a whole issue on the topic of Bigfoot was was uh, pretty cool. I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure there well, a lot of Bigfooters are out there uh, have a copy of that. I know I have a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, three people won in my contest, and then I then I, then I got my dad a copy of it too, so he's got a copy of it, and um, I made sure I got a copy of it, so I wasn't about to miss out on it. <laughs> Um, and, and 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 I 
I haven't received it yet, but I know that um, I want a co- I want some uh, Sasquatch coffee in your, one of your recent drawings <laughs> there, uh, Gunner. <laughs> it it will be on the on its way. Uh, what is today? Sunday, Monday, tomorrow. Cool. Oh, when you get it, you're gonna love life. It's gonna change your world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I've tried. I, you know, I, I, I've already tried some Sasquatch coffee already earlier this year. So, and uh, Mark DeWorth had. I, I know that um, Mark DeWorth gave gave out free samples to everybody at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference this year, and everybody got one in their goodie bag. So. <laughs> Well, thanks for the plug, Henry. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an excellent coffee. It really is. Shannon, I like Shannon's uh, endorsement of it. Damn delicious coffee. Or was it Paul uh, <laughs> McLaughlin said on Twin Peaks? Damn good cup of coffee. <laughs> well, but, you know, I, what's that? Did you have something? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say whenever I else? Well, okay, I was gonna, go what I was going to say was that, um, you know, Renee DeHendon had an interesting observation about um, how the Bigfoot world kind of goes in cycles. He said, you know, we've been spending the last 10 or 15 years just spinning our wheel. You know, nobody asks questions. Nobody asks advice. You know, and he said, and I get so sick and bitter and short-tempered and nasty when one when one more person comes up with something that they don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but... Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Renee had some interesting observations of things. Well, I won't repeat what he said about uh, those who believe in the paranormal Sasquatch, but... Uh, Suffice to say that it's some language that wouldn't fit on a family show. <laughs> right. Yes, he was he was strongly opinionated, that is for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, I figure the way I look at it, I mean, yes, the um, there is that controversy of the paranormal Sasquatch, and that is the elephant in the room. I, I kind of take a I, – myself, I take a uh, position of – Unless I see it for myself, I can't say if it's true one way or the other. So, there are those who swear, you know, oh, yeah, I saw a Sasquatch disappear right in front of me, or I saw a portal, or I saw this, or I saw that. I can't say for sure. I don't think any of us can. Until we make that observation. We can't. There's There's very little that we know for sure about about Sasquatch in the first place. So, it, for me, it's just, I I think, uh, like Julie talks about, is we're, I have a very pragmatic, if I can't prove it, then there's, I mean, uh, and until I experience it, I, I'm only about 98.5%, I think it's moved up a little bit this year, but uh, sure that there's even a Bigfoot and that anybody who's had a, a uh, encounter is 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 uh, crazy, and that includes our my our co-host and my good friend Shane, who has. Uh, so, and I reserve about one and a half percent for my own confirmation experience. Because mm-hmm. you, you I think just the, have, the main you, you drive. Have to. 
I think the main drive in the Bigfoot world, since we still haven't been able to prove that it exists or produce any really great videos since 1967, and that one is still controversial, any photos that aren't blurry, I think we need to focus on the flesh and blood animal, creature, if you will, and learning what we can about that before we step into another whole dimension of of paranormal. Yeah. And if we don't, I think we're giving it a disservice by not, you know, that that's a whole other area. And I'm not saying that um, people that see things like that, I'm not saying they didn't see that. I'm just saying for me personally, I'm more interested in the flesh and blood area of it and, um, you know, trying to produce the evidence to prove that they exist for, for myself. Because I want to know what they are. You know, I want to know what my, my ancestors saw in 1765 in the Uri Forest. Yeah. And let's see. What was it? Uh, Cliff has said, you know, I'm no longer interested in if they are. I'm interested in what they are, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, and that's I know good, that they're there. And that's a good point, Julie. When I went to Belize eight months ago, they sent an expedition in right where I was within the, a 20-mile square radius one year prior, and they were in there for nine weeks, and they came out with six species of animals we didn't even know existed on the planet. And that, there you go. I mean, there are, you know, I think one of the difficulties for people is that, you know, you're talking about in American forest and uh, and the size of the the animal. People don't, uh, when the layman or person who doesn't really pay attention to the, the subject uh, thinks that, that it's impossible, we should have, you know, we should have found a body. Where's the body? Where's the bones? And they don't think of, you know, they think that everything's uh, been discovered and and uh, don't pay attention to the fact that that the amount of the quantity of new discoveries that are made every year, all the time, think new species are being discovered and and uh, and the vastness of the, the territory that we're talking about. Um, if you go uh, up in a plane over the Pacific Northwest, um, the western region, there's there's a lot more area that is actually uh, wooded woodland uh, and wild, and uh, than there is that's populated. And uh, yeah, and uh, how little of that actually we ever, uh, as our species, ever steps foot in. I don't remember how many uh, planes there are that are lost in the the woods of the Pacific Northwest. There's some, I mean, crazy number that have never been the planes that have gone down and and never been found. Well, that's a really move. good point. Being um, just in my fire career, um, dealing with aircraft flying and helicopters flying on a lot of fixed wing, um, you know, in particular. There was this one time when I flying in a helicopter from a place in Alaska called Moon Hot Springs. We were supposed to retrieve some smoke jumpers that were north of uh, Fort Yukon. There was about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes in a boat seven, straight from Manly Hot Springs, straight out to where the smoke jumpers were, where we had to pick them up. And 
just talking with the pilot, we were flying over this relatively vast uh, uh, area and just kind of talked about the fact that, yeah, how many places have we flown over where a person has never walked in the recent age? And you can do that in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, there's vast, vast areas of just forested ecosystem that are just places that are probably have been untouched. So to think that, um, you know, that if we go out and we don't have, we don't see something that there's nothing there, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, going back to the paranormal Sasquatch thing, uh, Tom Powell, he, he, you know, he's, he's a good friend of a lot of us. Um, he sort of advocates the uh, the paranormal Sasquatch, and you know whether you agree with him or not. I mean, his books are really fascinating. I have not read his newest one. I do have it uh, in the queue to read, though. Matter of fact, it'll be the next book I read. I'm, I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading Aaron G. Filler's The Upright Ape right now. Uh, really interesting book. Um, but I do want to read Tom Powell's new one because I understand he does delve more into the the paranormal stuff, or, or does he, Gunner? I guess he does because I, I think you've read his. I think you read the book already. Um, I actually I have not read it. I'm actually reading Joe Bielard's book at the moment. But uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I so, but yeah, I mean, it's again. It, Tom talks about, Tom Powell now talks about, you know, he's not trying to prove anything. He's just having the experience. He's going yeah. out without, you know, he's concluded that uh, he his his presentation, he, he goes from wearing, you know, a, a lab coat and takes it off as, as a demonstration of the conversion from, the, and, and I knew Tom back when he was, was a, an aper. It's interesting to me is how many people, you know, um, and is some of that may be because they get frustrated at not being able to, you know, come up with hard evidence. So it must be that they're they're something more than uh, uh, terrestrial. Who knows? But it's interesting to talk about. But it isn't, you know, like I said. And and it's I I am respectful of people that that say I I have some friends that it's like I'm surprised at what. Uh, I haven't seen them in a while, and and now they they uh, have uh, gone think that there's something more to these animals than than uh, sim- that they're not simply apes. Um, right. And they could be right. I mean, as we talked about, everything that we talk about is pretty much theory, and then we uh, all could be wrong. So. Yeah, you mentioned Joe's book. I do want to read it. I have I have not I have not purchased my copy of that one yet. I do want to purchase that one definitely for sure. Matter of fact, uh, it was Joe. I actually won an auction for Tom Powell's uh, fictional book from Joe. So I got, I got so I got it from him. Like, uh, Shady mm-hmm. Neighbors. It, Shady Neighbors is good, by the way. If anybody's never read it, yeah, I would highly recommend uh, reading Shady Neighbors. By Tom Powell. Pretty good. Well, thanks yeah. for calling in, Henry. Well, no problem, guys. Y'all have a good one. And Happy New Year. Thanks, Henry. You too. Uh huh. Bye. Bye. Well, Henry touched on the 
the Newsweek edition. Does everybody, uh, Kip, did you get your copy? You did get a copy from Henry, apparently. I did. I uh, I won the contest, uh, one of his uh, contests, and uh, I never win anything, and I, I won that. Well, that's so. not true. <laughs> Clearly that's not that true. Really I believe I've seen numerous uh, awards for Bigfooter of the Year in your particular region, so... Oh, those, those yeah. are big Being the four-time winner of the uh, American River Bigfoot Society's Rice South chapter, yeah. I don't like to brag, but you're yeah, you're too modest. Well, I, that's one of my goals next year is to try and and not try and portray myself as being so awesome. So <laughs> it's going to take work, that. but I'm going to try. I know. <laughs> Julie, did you get the Newsweek edition? Yep, I got it. Um, I had it within three days after it was available, of course. And um, I wanted to add it to my collection of big footery stuff, no matter what the content was. You know, you got to have that. So, so after I started reading it, I um, it was fascinating to see they included the whole Zena story in there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that whole that. story, it just it's like it, it becomes a an entity all of itself with this thing over the years, but I basically I think they've got a handle on what it is now, but um, you know, there for a while everybody was thinking that Zayn was a Bigfoot or Neanderthal or, you know, and this just shows you how our thoughts and what we think it it could be when it comes down to the scientific end of it, it gives us the answers we need. And that kind of shot the whole um, Dana story down as a Bigfoot, which was kind of depressing. (laughs) That was a story I've known for years. We've been talking about that for years. But, um, I just found it interesting they included that in there and all the, mm-hmm. the happenings around it, you know, that's very educational for people who may not be familiar with it. Just that article pretty much, you know, synopsis of what all happened with that story. And um, Trent, did you get your copy of Newsweek? No, actually, I didn't see that one. Unfortunately. Okay. And I I think it's still out on the the newsstands for a little bit. I think it was their December uh ish, issue, so Oh I'm gonna have to go get it. <laughs> um one of the thing other interesting things, um if for those that attended the uh, Sasquatch Summit up in Ocean Shores uh, in Washington that Johnny Madsen puts on in November was uh, the Olympic Project uh, shared that uh, they are actually investigating a, a potential nesting site up in uh, Washington State and uh, shared pictures. And, and uh, uh, I had heard about it uh, previously because I'm a member, as a member of the Olympic Project. We talked about it. Uh, it was kept under wraps till uh, till the summit, but uh, uh, the disc- 
descriptions of it is pretty uh, uh, interesting. Derek um, Randalls and uh, some other members, a couple other members of the Olympic Project have, uh, have been in there. A bit. Originally what happened was a uh, gentleman who counts uh, timber uh, was out in this area, and it's it's very difficult to get to. And uh, he was out there doing his counts, and this was an area that had not been logged, I, I guess, in like 50 years. And uh, he got in there. He was, went into this area where uh, nobody basically had been uh, in a very long time and found all these what looked like nests. And uh, from the description, they sound a lot like like nests that uh, gorillas make. And they actually found, um, like, on, out on a point, like a nest by itself and uh, two rocks that look like they've been banged together for some time with all the, there were scratch marks on both of these two rocks. At least that's what they appeared like. So, um, and there's, I'm not. I can't remember the, the number of uh, these nests that were um, in this area, but um, I do know that uh, the Olympic Project is uh, has uh, trail cams up there. They actually retrieved them, um, I think, uh, in October and replaced the, the video cards and stuff in there. And I don't think that there wasn't anything. Um, the area had not been visited since they initially had been in there, and. Um, there's it's uh, pretty interesting, uh, and it will maybe something will come of that. There, uh, I know that there's uh, trail camps out there now, and and uh, it would be interesting to see if anything you know uses them uh, with any frequency. So, uh, Kip, what 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 Bigfoot adventures have you been on this in 2015? Are we still here? Sorry about that. I just had to. Okay. I had to pause for a second because I didn't want to uh, interfere with things. No One more time. What was the question? So, what what uh, bigfooting adventures have you been on this year? Well, I've been on a couple. Um, I'm trying to think. Of course, my the one that I really always look forward to is going down into Bluff Creek with the Bluff Creek Project, um, helping with the trail cam retrieval and. Uh, going on some great hikes with Robert Leiterman. That's just a, a great time. This year was kind of funky. Um, ended up uh, going up to Bluff Creek, and my father was in the uh, hospital, and I, I visited him. I was, had planned to go back to see him on that Sunday and finally got some cell coverage when I was up there and, and found out he had passed away um, while I was you know, camping. So I kind of cut short my, my trip a little bit. But um, it's interesting. There was a couple of gentlemen that were up there. Uh, one had actually had come and camped at Laos Camp since the early 80s and had gone there once and had met Rene de Hinden um, and actually brought pictures that uh, and correspondence that he had uh, he had had with Rene um, and it was absolutely priceless to read some of these letters and if you can imagine they're either on a typewriter or handwritten you didn't have you know computers and things going on back then but um you know so it was just that kind of an intimate snapshot of of renee and his feisty uh 
uh, way he, he he verbalized things. Um, it was interesting. He he was talking a lot about how he didn't believe Freeman, and he had this really disdain for um, uh, what's his name, uh, the skeletons Peter in the uh, Smithsonian. What is it? Oh, <laughs> Doctor Krantz. Krantz, Grover Krantz. Yes. Yeah, he 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 had made some comment, and it's it's now kind of almost like a catchphrase. But he said um, somebody must have left the the door open or the gate open at the Looney Farm or something, or the Looney the 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 mental hospital or something. It was hilarious, though. <laughs> so he just had this really feisty thing, and and uh, he had this absolute disdain for for Doctor Krantz, <laughs> which was was interesting. But it was it was fun to get to know somebody who had actually met the man and had spent time with them there in Laos camp. And of course, you know, spending time in Laos camp in Bluff Creek, going to the actual site where the PG film was, uh, was filmed. Um, it's just, you know, it has such a hor- historical background and to spend time there knowing that, um, you know, sitting around the campfire thinking what it would have been like to just sit around that campfire with John Green, with Renee Hinden, with Bob Titmus with uh with some of these people from from long ago and uh, of course you know uh listening you know Steven Streifert, uh, the owner of Bigfoot Books he's uh a part of the uh of that Bluff Creek project a big part of it and he is just a walking bigfooting encyclopedia and so to sit back and you know and and talk with him and and uh he talks a little bit about you know, some of the history of big pudding and some of the things uh, that um, that occurred there. It's always really a, a treat to get to to go up to that that uh, that particular gathering on in July each year. That was kind of the big one for me. Um, it, it, let's see. I just I had the opportunity to um, spend a couple of nights over in the redwoods. Bart came up from uh, Monterey, and we met over uh, south of Eureka and did a couple of night investigations. But all in all, I didn't get to spend a, an exorbitant amount of time. Fire season was pretty busy. Um, I was uh, gone most of the summer on fire assignments and whatnot. So, um, but but I did have some good trips and, and had a good time. Good. Uh, Trent, we know that uh, you spent some time this year out in the, in Belize in the, without much clothing. And uh well actually without a stitch of clothing. <laughs> uh, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, your your uh your experience on Naked and Afraid and and uh have you been out since since then or before that before that are you are you uh actively looking for uh Bigfoot? Well yeah, let me uh let me address your first comment there. I like clothing more than I like not clothing um, when I'm camping and sleeping out in the woods at night anyway. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know, Naked and Afraid, it's a reality TV show. It's Discovery wanted to create the most extreme reality show. And your clothes, I mean, seriously, when you're laying there in your tent, in your sleeping bag, and you hear something out there, you put your head under your sleeping bag not going to save you. I got news for you. But it makes you feel better. So Discovery said, you know, let's take everything of 
comfort away. And so you go live for a month out in extreme condition for for 21 days with no clothes, nothing. I had a machete. And you have to build your shelter. You have to do this stuff. And at night, I was in the jungles of Belize, and you hear things outside. The days were great. The birds, the parrots, there were 50, 60 parrots in the tree that I built my shelter on. And you hear them singing, you hear them chirping, and then the sun goes down. And the noises change from the trees to the ground. And I had something stuck in my shelter almost every night. And it kept coming around the shelter. And, and, and when I say stalking, it didn't walk right up to it. And with my experience with my Bigfoot encounter, not knowing, I mean, the unknown is amazing. And all the little things that run through your mind. So that was my experience. I spent, I spent 21 days in Belize. I, I had to eat spiders and gophers for 21 days to survive. <laughs> And your uh, your experience with the gopher there kind of reminded me uh, was reminiscent a little bit of Caddyshack. <laughs> oh, I would have loved to have had a condiment. Um, the the go <laughs> when when I was eating the gopher, all I could think of was, oh my gosh, I miss salt and pepper. It's that basic. <laughs> and uh, but but the the thing that spurred my Bigfoot experience out there is this animal kept coming up to my shelter. And it would, it would for 45 minutes, just stalk the shelter back and forth, back and forth, north, south, east, west. And it would come up to it, and it would push on the shelter. And you could hear it breathing, these big, deep breaths. And it even got so intense one night, they gave me an emergency radio. The, the crew was about an hour away. But I called them on the radio, and I'm like, something's stuck in the shelter. And they're like, well, you have a machete. And I'm like, yeah, but it's 16 inches long. I have to be 16 inches away to defend myself. And I'm naked. <laughs> so I don't feel very comfortable. And so they said, just secure yourself. And they came up. And they had a scout. On every episode, they have a scout, an indigenous person that's that knows the terrain of the land. And he did his perimeter, and he says, it's not a jaguar. They thought it was a tapir, a jungle cow, but those things are like 500 pounds. No footprints, no tracks, no anything. And we were about two weeks into this, and I heard the producer talking to the scout, and he says, did you find footprints? Because they had, they would set up cameras, infrared cameras around the shelter. They would set up sound mics all around the perimeter of the mountain. And so anything that came up, they would at least hear, and then the infrared would maybe catch it or maybe not. But the producer said to the scout, he says, hey, did you, did you find any footprints today? Because their sound mics picked everything up. And he says, no, we can't find anything. There's no footprints. It's so strange. And I looked at the producer and I just says, hey, you know, I've been walking around here for two weeks. You don't see my footprints. And he says, well, yeah, you walk upright and you're flat-footed. And I just looked at him and I said, I know, right? And then there was that awkward silence, and all of a sudden you see his brain click. And he hops on his satellite phone, and he starts Googling Bigfoot <laughs> legends of belief. <laughs> but, but, but it was amazing. They would set bait out, and every night it would take the bait, but they never, ever caught it on infrared. They, they, never, they never got any images of it, but their sound mics picked it up. 
throughout the camp. Now, if you watch the episode, they make you think that it's a jaguar every night. The growls weren't there every night. But, but you know, we don't know what's out there. We don't, we don't know what's going on. A year prior to me going out there, they, an expedition came back with six species of animals we've never even heard of before that we had to record. So, gosh, you know, what really do we know? But but that's why I always keep saying it's only a matter of time. We have cell phones. Everybody has a camera on them nowadays. It's it's only a matter of time before we catch something now. So, gosh, I've been following this since I was 10 years old, and, and every story I can get my hands on, I do it, and it's it's fascinating to me. Some of them you know that aren't real, but the ones that I like are the people in the communities that are on the city council that are are high leaders in the in the community church that are that are coming forward and they're saying, "Here's my experience." And those people, they're not doing it for show; they're doing it because they want to share an experience. And those are the stories that I like to hear because because it's not for fame and glory. It's for oh my gosh, here here's what happened. Here's here's what we saw. So, and, and my experience when I was 10 years old, when I, I was in a tent and Bigfoot actually laid down on the tent and all the neighbors saw him, everybody, there, there's so many different reports around my neighborhood. It was a life-changing event. And, and that actually opened my eyes to to say, you know what, we don't know everything out there. We don't know, we don't know every single thing. We're a society that has to know everything. There are so many things we don't know. There are so many things that we're just looking at. And and it's a matter of time. It's it's going to come. There's going to all of a sudden one day pop up something, and we're all going to go, wow, that's what we we're all looking for. Pretty good. Well, we've had, uh, I, I uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, uh, I am an active uh, Bigfoot researcher, uh, as is uh, my co-host Shane, and uh, it, along with being members of the, the Olympic Project, we also uh, have a group here in Oregon called the Tillamook Force Research Group. And uh, this year, one of our uh, members actually had a daylight sighting in our research area, so that was pretty exciting. Um, we get a lot of audio stuff in our area, but to have... Uh, have uh, someone see one in the area is, is uh, pretty exciting and, and uh, kind of spurs us on to, to keep looking and, and uh, you know you you wonder after a while because you because a lack of evidence and to me audio is the most open evidence that's most open to interpretation or perhaps misinterpretation uh, but uh, that was really cool and just recently. Uh, we had some pretty severe flooding in this in uh, this area, and uh, there, there's an area where somebody co- actually contacted um, Shane, and uh, uh, there's a little enclave of houses uh, close to our research area that that uh, apparently the people um, have uh, talked with each other when the Bigfoots are in the area, and uh, share information, and uh, we found out about it. We're uh, pretty excited to go talk to some of these people and, and uh, see what they have to say. What You know, you never know when you walk into something like that. It's 
how long they've been uh, having experiences, what the nature of the experiences are, um, and how you can uh, uh, use that uh, information to further your research or to create patterns or predictive, see predictive behavior or something. So, um, pretty cool. So, as far as it, um, we we are uh, still uh, tonight. We're approaching the end of 2015. Do we know any more now than we did uh, when we started this year, Julie? Well, um, we know portals might exist. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I think really, I think the thing is we've had... Um, some more, you know, serious researchers wanting to to join in and find out what's going on and, and do things the right way. And we've got a lot of um, push on the DNA collection now, um, mm-hmm. you know, ways to collect it. And I know that the Olympic Project has the DNA kits available um, that they've talked about before. And I think that's important, even though we don't have a, a specimen to compare it to, I still think it's important to collect DNA and try not to contaminate it in the process. And there seems to to be a bigger push on the the proper way of DNA collection. Trent, what do you think? Are we we closer to finding an answer or than we were at the beginning of the year? I definitely think Yeah, I definitely think we're closer. And you said a few minutes ago, you know, there's a lot more audio than there is visual. And when when I was out in the jungle, they had they had mics set up, and they had infrared cameras set up. Every single morning, those producers would, as fast as they could, once once the time came, would come up to my shelter. They grab the equipment. They they would watch the video. They would listen to the sound files because they wanted to know what happened, because it was ongoing every night. The sound files picked up everything. The video files picked up nothing. And they were so confused. This is the Discovery Channel, who spends millions of dollars to send people out in the wild. And the producers would ask the locals, why are we not getting this on video? And I remember one night, the local said to the producer, he says, Animals are smart. Have you ever looked through a night vision camera or scope? When there's a light source, it's really bright. You can walk around it. You know where it is. He says these animals can walk around that video all night long. He says, but they can't hide from the sound. And that's exactly what he told them. So, yeah, obviously there's a lot more sound files than our video files. Are we closer? Yes. Do we have more technology? Yes. Are we on the verge of... I'm telling you, I know, I know that it's just a matter of time. I keep saying that. But with the technology, with what's going on, are we closer? Every time technology gets better, every month, every year, yes, we're absolutely closer because there is no doubt in my mind that there's something out there. But I'll tell you what, as we live in our world and we think we're masters of what we do, those animals out there, they live in their world, and I promise you they are masters of what they do. Uh, because their every single day life is live or die survival. 
Ours is, hmm, Christmas is here. Pay off our credit cards. <laughs> Let's go eat out of the fridge. Those animals out there in the woods, every single day it is do or die for them. It's not for us humans who, again, like I say, only use 10% of our brains. Right. I totally agree with that. Kip, are we any closer? Are we ever going to figure this out? Boy, I'll tell you what. You think back, you know, some of the strongest evidence that we have, um, and and this is not taking away from people's personal experiences. Like I've said, um, you know, there are people in this this field, excuse me, that are knowers, there's people that are believers, and they're skeptics. Um, but, you know, we still have the strongest, really the strong, some of the strongest evidence that we have, footprint evidence, but then the PG film. And that was 1967. Um, so are we any closer? I, I respectfully disagree. I, I don't think that we're any closer. I think that we're, we're kind of, uh, I don't want to say spinning our wheels, do we need to keep trying? Absolutely. I, I think that there's enough of a mystery out there that, that still keeps it fun. It keeps it interesting. Um, so until we have a physical, biological specimen, I think that um, sound files, even footprint evidence, uh, fuzzy videos, fuzzy pictures, um, it's going to har- be a, a hard sell to to really have the general public believe that that they, that this is something that's real. So I'm still hopeful. Um, you know, for me, bigfooting is about having a good time, having fun, um, and and so hopefully by doing, continuing to do that, and and going out into the field and going out and spending time in the woods, best place to get your evidence, best place to see something. Um, but eventually, something is going to uh, is going to be, you know, that specimen will come around. So. Like like Kip said earlier, it's a needle in a haystack, and I and that the the needle is constantly moving. Um, it there are a lot of groups out there that are uh, uh, looking for the answer, that are active in the field, and uh, uh, regardless of if the nature, you know, whatever the nature of the, these creatures is. Um, the search is ongoing. We're, we're, uh, you know, we have groups that's out in the field. The leopard crossing very, very uh, busy. Uh, the North American Wood Ape Conservancy. Uh, there's, you know, all kinds. There's folks up and watching Bigfoot Ops in front of the bars. Um, the um, Bluff Creek Project, you know, and just individuals that go out looking and and looking for trying to solve the answer. I think Kip is right that uh, um, though um, I probably won't be the person to to uh, bring in a, a type specimen because uh, I'm not out there to to uh, harm them. Uh, the answer won't be, uh, this mystery won't be solved until some. that's what happens. And it may happen completely by, you know, uh, accident. Uh, some somebody's driving down the road and hits one, and uh, and there's a body, or uh, you know somebody happens uh, upon one out in the woods that died by accident, or a hunter shoots one. Um, we don't know, 
side. It's it's the whole uh, for me. I, I enjoy it because of the mystery and and um, going out and and looking uh, for evidence and and uh, and then analyze that that analyzing that evidence as best we can. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're building a body yeah. of evidence, so. Ahead, it's kind of like fishing. Well, I was going to say, it's like fishing. You know, if, if fishing's your hobby and if you only have fun, if you're fishing, you're catching fish, then you probably ought to find another hobby. You know, Bigfooting to me is the same way. Um, right. If I'm spending time with people that I enjoy being around uh, out in the woods, enjoying myself, um, it's it's just all part of the mystery. Um, if I'm only having fun, if I'm actually finding Bigfoot, well, then I probably ought to find another interest or, or another hobby, but I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, it's the absolute mystery that keeps everybody going. It is it is just an amazing mystery. And then when you talk to people that have had actual experiences, I, I have people that I'm I'm very close with that have had experiences. Um, it just fuels the mystery even more. It's that little seven eight year old boy reading that John Green book and reading those accounts, and then spending time in the woods and remembering those things. You know, it's it's just, um, <clears throat> it's a passion, it's an interest, it's a hobby, it's uh, it's many things to many people. But um, for me, the most part is it's fun. And if I find something, then even better. Very good. Um, wrap, wrap it up. we got a couple of minutes left. Let's, uh, uh, so the, the mystery isn't solved in 2015. Um, we're, we're continue to to uh, go out into the woods and where a lot of people don't go and spend a lot of time doing things that a lot of people don't do and uh, in hope to find um, what some people would consider a nightmare or a monster, uh, but most of us uh, that are in big footing uh, are fascinated by the possibility of an unknown species um, that has eluded us till uh, even... Uh, all the way, nearly all the way through 2015. Um, maybe, two th- maybe 2016 will be the, the year of discovery uh, that we we have finally um, proved once and for all that uh, that Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatch Forest people, uh, whatever you want to call them, um, would a- exist to, and uh, bring it to uh, the consciousness of the general public. Uh, I'd like to thank all our guests today, uh, Kip Morrill, Trent Nielsen, and Julie Wrench for joining us here today. It was a lot of fun for me. I hope you guys had fun as well. Um, next week, we will be back uh, at, on Sunday at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I'll be back here with uh, my good friend and uh, co-host Shane Corson and uh Until then, uh, I hope that everybody has a great uh, and safe New Year, and uh, maybe 2016 again will be the year of uh, discovery for the creature that we know as Bigfoot. Thanks, everybody. We will see you here again next week. Good night. Thanks, Gunnar, and a shout-out to Shane. Thank you. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Good night.